And alignment trumps everything. If things aren't working, just notice you're not aligned with who you really are at an innermost point where the flow of the universe or that energetic force comes through. So you're not tapped into your personal power. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard And I can't tell you how excited I am about this guest. She's not only a dear friend, but we've been talking about doing an episode together probably for years, Marsha. And now we're here. And I I think I just gave away uh, a clue as to who this is. So we have with us none other than Marsha Martin. She is one of the most prolific influencers in the thought leadership space of the last 40 years years. She has an executive training firm specializing in transformational leadership training and communication arts technology. She's renowned as one of the top transformational trainers on the planet, and she has coached executives and life coaches worldwide. She's a public speaker. I'm embarrassing you. I know I can see her face, but this is you've, you've earned all of these accolades. She has literally personally trained over 300,000 individuals and corporate executives around the world with clients, including Capital One, McCain Foods, Hard Rock, Warner Brothers, and others. She has consulted, trained, or coached some of the best-known thought leaders and authors of all time, including Jack Canfield, Tony Robbins, Lynn Twist, T. Harv Ecker, Doria Cordova, and Robert Kiyosaki. I could literally go on and on. Marsha Martin, welcome at last to The Daily Helping. It is so fantastic to have you on our show today. Dr. Richard, it is so fantastic to be here. Oh, my God. I'm so glad we finally got this done. This is exciting. Uh, so I've, I've built you up. So now we're, we're going to have to live up to, to the legendary status. I know that you will. But what I really want to do because there's so many things we could talk about, so many different directions we could go. But I want to jump into the Marsha Martin time machine with you. And I want to go back to what put you on the journey. So take us through how you got started on the path you're on today. Hmm. Well, it's a long path. So we go back a lot of years. (laughs) I um, was originally trained by my aunt, who was a shaman and an esoteric astrologist and she taught me all the metaphysical kinds of information and technology and about energy and about meditation she had me learn about the great philosophers and masters of the world she taught me how to heal others and myself with energy so that was kind of amazing i interned with her when i was a teenager And then when I was a young girl, 
in my early 20s, I met Werner Erhard, who was the founder of EST, which became Landmark Forum. And I was among five team members with him that created the S training, which is now Landmark Forum. And I was the senior vice president for 10 years from the early 70s to the early 80s. And we went from 20 people in our first workshop to millions of graduates worldwide from one center, really, that was operated out of an apartment house, one of our team members' uh, apartment, to having thousands of centers around the globe. So it was quite amazing. And as a result of that, and what I learned and who I met and the experiences that I had, I was able to go out in the world and create my own business and procure my own clients and lead workshops and seminars and corporate trainings now all over the world for thousands and thousands of executives. You know, it's interesting because I didn't know this about you. I, I didn't know that your that your aunt exposed you to these things. And so, you know, you're talking about when you were a teenager, right? You were a young girl. We think about metaphysics, and I'm saying this, you know, as, as a, a licensed medical professional, we think about things like energy and metaphysics and these things that you know, for many, many years were deemed hippie, woo-woo nonsense. We think about them differently now. And certain, certainly quantum physics are telling us that some of these things that uh, people have been scoffing at for decades, there, there's actually some science behind it. And well, not my forte. I do find it interesting that you've been for decades teaching this to very, very high level people, but in particular corporations, because usually the corporate world is the least excited about things that they would consider woo-woo and you know generally are have this profit first mindset and kind of nothing else how are you able to bridge that gap back then to to really introduce and and pair those concepts with tangible things that somebody could wrap their mind around well i think if you go through all the great philosophers and masters that have been on the planet and the teachings that they have, pretty much it's all congruent and they teach the same things and they use different kinds of ways of saying it. So when I'm in a corporate setting, I don't talk about metaphysics. I talk about communication and language and how it works and how we bring something into existence or produce a result is about speaking it into existence. And I teach them how to meditate, but I don't call it meditation. I talk about vision and how one creates a vision and how one has to have a vision first in the world of the non-physical world before anything can exist in the physical world. So it's not that I teach something that they don't understand. It's just I teach it in a language that they can understand it. I like that. And, and actually, I, I know you were heavily involved in the secret. And we, we can talk about that in a minute because that's a really cool story too. But one of the things that I thought was brilliant about the secret is that that was conveyed in a way that irrespective of one's religious ideology, you could there was something in it for everybody to wrap their minds around. So I, I, I get that. I think that was a, a fantastic answer. So I kind of teased that. So um, let's jump there. 
let's talk a little bit how the brilliance of Marsha Martin made the secret happen. And, and then I want to talk specifically, you talked about vision, about you know, bringing things to reality. I'd like you to talk to us about that. But first, let's, let's talk about the secret a little bit. Well, the secret, as people now know, is a film. And it uh, was one of the greatest films of all time. It made like, I don't know, $900 million. And it was about the law of attraction. And it was produced and created by a woman who's an amazing, talented filmmaker. Her name is Rhonda Byrne from Australia. And she called me because at that particular time, when she was creating and making the film, it was 2004. And I was working and partnering with a colleague of mine and great friend of over 35 years, Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. And we co-created an organization called the Transformational Leadership Council. And that was an association of some of the best authors and trainers and seminar leaders on the planet. People like John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. And of course, Jack and a lot of our colleagues, Marianne Williamson and just so many people that have been in this work of transformational leadership and teaching. So Rhonda found out we were having our meeting, and it was that, only our third meeting. There were about 40 of us, and we were having it in my hometown of Aspen, Colorado, at the Snowmass Village Country Club. And she called out of thin air and said who she was, and she had heard we were meeting, and could she come and film us? And I think it's so funny because Jack, I always tell him, he should thank me, because that movie made him famous. When I called Jack and I said, hey, some film producer from Australia wants to come and bring her, her film crew and film us all at the meeting. At first, he said, no, we can't do that, because he thought everybody would be so excited about the film and about, you know, cameras and all of that media kind of thing that he thought that nobody would pay attention to the meeting. So he said, no, no, we can't do that. And with my background, with my aunt. I have learned to listen to my inner voice and my intuitive side in a most, most profound way. And when I hung up on the phone with Jack, I just felt this voice inside of me saying, she's supposed to be there. And I listen now. I've since that time gone to the rainforest and lived for a period of time with some of the indigenous tribes, the Oshawa, who are a dream people. And they really do live their life from what they hear and see and their visions and their dreams. And that's how I've always lived my life as well. And so I called Jack back and I said, she's supposed to be there. So he said, OK, but only, Marcia, if you will be responsible to manage the film shoot. So I was placed in this amazing responsible role to actually set up that film shoot and um, get the location and work with the director and work with who was going to be in the film and became great friends with Rhonda Byrne and, and kind of organized the logistics of the whole film shoot. And it was so funny because there was no room in the end, essentially at the country club, my country club, I went to the manager at that time, her name was Becky. And I said, Becky, I need another room. There's a film crew coming. And she said, we're filled. It's There's no room. There's nothing. And so we walked around the country club to all of the offices and all of the different places we could think of. 
And we found that one of the executives was on vacation and he had this teeny, teeny, tiny, tiny, tiny room for his office. So we took all the furniture out of his office while he was on vacation Mm -hmm. so that it would fit a couple of cameramen and the people that they were shooting. And literally, we were all filmed. We didn't all make it to the actual film itself, but we were all filmed in in that time. And the cameraman was on the floor with his back up against the wall with a camera. And the person he was filming was on the other side of the room with their back up against the wall (laughs) talking. So it was quite an amazing film shoot for sure. That's awesome. I I love the story. There's been a couple of words that I've written down as you've been talking. You've mentioned vision. You've mentioned inner voice, listening to one's intuition. And so uh, for those of us, and and I'm certainly in this category, who who is not moving to a rainforest tomorrow to live with indigenous people, talk us through, because you, you help people create and live their dream lives. And so if somebody's listening to this for the first time uh, and they hear this, I want my dream life. Where do we start? What do we do? And I know that's a hugely loaded question because there's so many different answers you could give, but top of mind, what's, what's coming up for you? Well, top of mind is what I call alignment. And I always say alignment trumps everything. So it's what are you connected to? Most people disconnect from their inner power, which is the access point to where they're connected to the rest of the universe. And they kind of associate themselves with their circumstances. So they look outside of themselves to their circumstances to see what can happen. And that disconnects them from that inner place that we all have where things flow through us and where everything is connected. It's interesting that you mentioned the indigenous tribes again, because the chief of the Ashwar little tribe that I was visiting, he said to us, you people from the north, there was about 15 of us that had taken a trip there. And boy, to get to his particular tribe, we had to go on an airplane into Quito And then from Quito, take this bus down this scary cliff (laughs) down to the edge of the rainforest and then take a single engine plane for four hours across the rainforest and land on a little dirt strip and then sleep overnight on a banana leaf and get in a canoe the next day and go down the river until we got to a place where we could enter into the part of the forest where we could get to his tribe. And then we had to like trek for seven hours through the rainforest to even get to him. So he was way far away. But he said, you people from the North, you think you are like the fingers on a hand. So individual. It's all about you and yourself and what you need and who you are. And what you forget is that your fingers are attached to a hand. And he said, that's like a community or a tribe or even an organization that we're all connected. He says, even worse than that, you don't notice that the hand is connected to a whole ecosystem and we're all connected, that somehow the energy that allows anything to exist is the same energy that is in within us. And so I always teach people to have alignment, go to the place where you're connected and operate from there into the world rather than looking out to the world 
and considering you're at the effect of the world. Bring your inner power from that place. And I think it's kind of like when you iron something with an iron, you have to plug it in first for the electricity to flow through. And human beings need to plug themselves into the source of where energy comes from, vitality that allows us to create. And then we have our own way of taking that energy and causing it to create things in the universe because we have language and we have action. So if we take the beginning of the source point, which is your vision and where you're connected to all that is, and then begin to take that vision and put it into language and speak it into existence, and we're all congruent as a human being. You know, I always say, everybody, okay, pretend you're really depressed. And they get really depressed. I say, just really, really get depressed. No, no smiling, frown. And then I say, now repeat after me, life is great. Well, you can't do it. You can't have your body and your mindset in a depressed mood and speak in a fantastically enthusiastic way, because we are congruent. Everything lines up. Whatever we're being lines up. Our language lines up with that. Our actions line up with that. And from that place, we will eventually create a result. So when a person can be connected there, I say they're aligned. And alignment trumps everything. If things aren't working, just notice you're not aligned with who you really are at an innermost point where the flow of the universe or that energetic force comes through. So you're not tapped into your personal power. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. Okay, so there was a lot in there to unpack, <laughs> and in particular, so I want to circle back to this this theme that you keep talking about alignment, but alignment with your inner power, alignment with that part of you that is connected to source. So I've gone on a lot of platforms and a lot of stages where I talk about this, you know, in terms of you know what makes your soul sing, what excites you. What, what resonates, but you're talking about this more in terms of energy, which is, as I've said, not my area of expertise. So how does one truly, is it, is it meditation? Is it, you know, a visualization technique? What do you, what would you recommend someone start to do to try and discover that inner power to try and connect with that energy that you've spoken of several times so they can plug that iron in? Anything that would allow you to be still and your mind to be still. So think of your mind as kind of like the ocean. At any point, it can be raging. You know, there can be a hurricane. 
and 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 the waves are huge and crashing and and you know bouncing boats around well you could throw the empire state building into a raging ocean in turmoil and you wouldn't really notice the waves that that particular thing you threw in made because it would just be all with everything it would be all a massive chaos and upset kind of but there are times if you've ever been on a sailboat in hawaii like i have and the moon is out at night and the ocean is like pure glass and it's so beautiful and you you it's so still you can take a, a small pea throw it into that and you'll see the ripples that that little pea made and that's how your mind is if you're going to create something you need to be still and then you can put in an intention and you can cause that intention to really flourish and get bigger and bring it into existence. But if your mind is very noisy and you're stressed out and you're thinking about worrying about the future, regretting the past, thinking people are, you know, at you, you're you're not sure it's all okay, you're feeling bad, you're in a terrible mood. So everything, that's like that raging ocean. You can't hold an intention, so you can't create. So what I tell people is to practice being still because that's the point where you can be in touch with who you are in that inner sense where you're connected to the rest of the universe. And I give a metaphor. You know how an ocean crashes against the sand and as it comes in and when it crashes there will be some foam that comes up out of the waves. Well, that's kind of like those that foam that separates from the ocean itself is like an expression of the whole ocean. And I consider that's who we are as human beings. We're an expression of the universe showing up like this, just like that foam kind of shows up. It comes out of something and it exists in this form, but we're really connected. So if you're still and you practice that for a period of time, what happens is things change in that inner place where you can be creative, where you can go to a different um, wave, a different sound wave, you know, a different state of being, a different alpha versus theta, all of those kinds of brain waves, so that you slow your brain down and you create and activate the parts of you that can envision. And that's always the very beginning of anything. It has to exist as a vision, a visualization. It has to exist as an idea before it can exist as a thing. And then there's a whole process of, well, once you have an idea, if you give it some passion, like you're saying, and you get excited about it and you can verbalize it and you start seeing it in detail and you start feeling how you feel, that activates other things. And pretty soon you're starting doing and you're in action of causing the thing to come into existence. So pretty soon you have the thing, but it always starts with that idea. You know, there, there are a few things you mentioned there. One is I immediately, as you were describing the Hawaiian sea and the P metaphor, I, I immediately thought about um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Because we can't self-actualize if we don't have our basic needs met. And similarly, you, you, you can't, you can't get to this place. And I, I've told people, and I, I would love to hear your take on this. 
you know, the science is very interesting. We know that when we get at a meditative stage, and you mentioned the different uh, brain wave frequencies, data, theta, and alpha, and, and you know, with, this is this is Jose Silva's kind of seminal research, but it's like working a muscle, right? Like you're not going to go to the gym if you've never worked out or haven't worked out in a long time, and you're not going to, you know, be able to bench press a ridiculous amount of weight, a ridiculous amount of times you start slow. And so I tell people, you know, even if you, and, and I tell people to build it into their calendar, even if it's five minutes, seven minutes, 10 minutes, uh, if you start getting accustomed to doing this, whether it's breath work, you know, like I, we, we've had enough people on the show over the years talking about meditation and they all kind of have a different flavor to it. Yeah. So, you know, meditation is what meditation is to you. But I, I think if we get in the habit of doing this, that stillness, that environment uh, to create, I think that sets up our environment for that. What, what What's your take on that? I totally agree. And I think also I love your idea of practice and just a little bit every day and you get better at it. And also, I think that people can find things that allow them to be still that they don't call meditation. So walking in the forest or sitting and viewing a sunset and you're quiet and you feel nature around you or having the grass underneath your feet and, you know, you're just by yourself and you're taking uh, a little bit of a a trek by yourself. Those kinds of things allow your mind to settle down and get still. So being in nature or riding a bicycle, just in that same thing, or running for a period of time, what happens is you kind of get in that zone. And then if if you have practiced that for a period of time, it's easier to say, okay, go close your eyes and sit still for five minutes, and then do it for 10, then do it for 20, until you start to kind of be able to ease into your body and not have to scratch or blow your nose or cough or, you know, go to the bathroom or get hungry or all of those things, but just to feel like you can go to a different space. And that's when the magic starts to happen. Right. So we've kind of set the stage. I want to talk about the magic because that's exciting. And, And this is the piece where I think you know, you've helped so many people because like I said, there's a lot of people who talk about meditation and there's a lot of people who talk about these different techniques, but the money, right? The meat of the material is turning this dream, this alignment, this vision into something that really impacts you and changes your life and lets you live the life that you've always wanted. So I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you talk about that. Because this is exciting stuff, right? So we've we're, we're with you. We we're still like we we have gotten ourselves to a point where we can be still, even if for for it's a few minutes. Talk about that magic and how we make that happen. Well, first of all, you have to understand the power of perspective. So there's a many of these kinds of things, but the one I'm thinking of, there's a picture where you look at it one way and it's a young woman, and then you look at it the other way and it's an old bitch, right? Well. What I love about that is for people to realize that both pictures exist at the same time. It's not that they aren't there, but only one can show up for you or occur. And what causes it to show up for you is the place you're looking from. You have to change how you are looking 
to a different place, different perspective. And then all of a sudden the old lady shows up. And then if you look a little different from a different point of view or a different perspective, oh, there's the young woman. But they're both there at the same time. You just can't see them all at once, one or the other, from that different perspective. So for me, that's how life is. In reality, everything is there. There's abundance and there's scarcity. There's things working and things not working. But what shows up for you? What occurs? Do you see the the glass half full or do you see the glass half empty? It depends on where you're looking from. It depends on your perspective. So first step is to get into a perspective that works for what you want to create. In other words, I find for most people that perspective is consider something possible. Instead of saying it can't happen or it's not going to happen or I can't do it and seeing life from that point of view that I'm not able, just consider, well, maybe it could happen. Just get in that space of so that you're coming from. That's your mindset. That's how you're thinking. It's not the thoughts that you have, but it's the quality of your thinking itself that it's possible. You know, we have a lot of belief systems and assumptions and interpretations that get in our way. And if we could just let those go and consider, hey, it's possible. It's just possible. Let me look at it as if it's possible. Let me look at what is possible to happen instead of all the reasons why it can't. Now, from there, what happens is you have language. Language is very interesting because what people don't realize is language is the bridge from the vision of something to the creation. It's the thing that brings it across the bridge into something that's real. So we say you speak things into existence. And you're not just speaking when you're speaking out loud to someone. You speak to yourself all the time in your thoughts. So what are you saying? Start identifying what is the conversation I'm in. Am I saying to myself, oh, I can't do that. Oh, life is awful. Oh, this is never going to happen. Oh, I'll never make it. Or are we saying, you know, everything is possible. Start having a conversation that lines up with the perspective of it's possible. When you speak things into existence, the first thing you create is a possibility. When you declare something, that creates a possibility. You say, this will happen or this won't happen. In language, we call that a declaration. You can't do that. That's a declaration. Well, what a declaration, it's a type of language. It's There's many types of language. There's requests, offers, promises, assessments, assertions, apologies, complaints. Those are all different. They have different jobs in language. They do different things, just like a saw and a hammer has a different job to do. It's a tool in your toolkit, but you don't use your hammer for what you use your saw for, or it's a mess. So a declaration's job that part of language is to bring possibilities into existence. And possibilities exist real. They are real, only they exist as a possibility. So here's a phone existing as a phone or a cup existing as a cup. It's a real thing. Possibility is also real. It just doesn't exist in the real world. It exists in the invisible world but it functions in a particular way. So you have language, you're declaring something, whatever it is, I can do it or I can't do it. It, Both are declarations. They create the possibility. 
And how possibilities work is like a tunnel. It's like you go into, human beings act into possibilities. Yeah, there's different kinds of language and different kinds of language has different jobs. And when you have declaration is when you're saying something as if it shall be. When we say things like, oh, I can't do that, or, oh, I'm going to get this done, or I'm not enough, those are declarations, and they bring possibilities into existence. And how a human being operates in a possibility, kind of like when you're in a tunnel. So you go into the tunnel, you only have one way out. You either go back or you go forward, but there's not a lot of turns. So you're in that tunnel. And when you declare something, you're inside that possibility. That's what you can see around you is whatever you've declared. That's how the world shows up for you. And in that space, you look for evidence that your declaration is right because human beings are thrown to being right. So we look for, and when we can't find anything, we'll go and create it just to prove ourselves right and so pretty soon, the thing that we have declared in language, we put enough energy into it, enough more language, uh, create enough incidents that prove we're right, that pretty soon we operate in that way and act as if that's so. And pretty soon we have the thing that we declared. So the first step is you want to create a perspective. of Things are possible. And then you want to hold a vision of something that you want to create. And then you wanna to listen to your language, which also is your thoughts of what are you saying? Are you speaking as if it's so? Now, I don't mean to lie. I don't mean to make up stories. Um, if you um, aren't a good painter, rather than saying, I'm terrible painter, you could say something like, I'm not a great painter yet, but I am committed to being better. That's a different possibility that you're into and moving into and creating around you than I'm a terrible painter. So it's not that you lie about what's so, it's that you say your declarations in a way that you can move towards what you want instead of moving towards something you don't want. Who wants to be a loser? So stop saying that. Say something like, I haven't achieved the thing I want to achieve yet, but I'm passionate and I'm committed. Instead of saying, I can't do that. It's just a different possibility that we're creating. So that's where some of the magic comes from. You have to understand how things work. So, uh, Marsha, as you've given us these, these pearls here and kind of an action plan, I'm going to call it like a... Universal Energy Action Plan by Marsha Martin. Um, and I know this is an incredibly loaded question, but you've done this with so many people all over the world. What are we talking about in terms of timelines? And I know everybody's different, but I mean, you know, should we should we start expecting to see kind of the fruits of this or even little glimpses of this pretty quickly to, to tell us we're doing the right thing, we're on the right path? Um, what has been your experience in working with so many people and doing this kind of work in terms of how quickly they start seeing you know, evidence that these changes are happening? Well, um, I have found like when I'm in a workshop, it takes three days. I need at least three days. 
If I can get a group of executives together for three days or a group of people that want to take my seminar for three days, that's enough to turn it. Now, then it takes some time for the person to really be able to use it. So it's kind of like the first time you got on a bicycle, you didn't ride the bicycle right away, even though you understood how to do it. So you have all the information. So in the three days, you get a lot of information, but you also get some practice. But it takes a lot of practice before you can actually ride the bicycle. So then it de- it depends on, well, how good are you and how fast are you? Are you like a prodigy child that can play the piano after you've sat down for a month? Or do you need a year to practice to be able to be a good piano player? Or, you know, and, and that's part of what we're teaching you and what you have to practice is how to discipline your mind. And most people have never disciplined their mind. They operate as if their mind is who they are. Although it's it's funny because when you're talking to yourself, who's listening? So it can't be who you are. You know, just like think about that. There's something going on. And besides which your mind can debate, your little inner voice can debate both sides of the situation at any time that it feels like changing. So it's like you have to learn to discipline that delinquent child. And when you have a teenager, which is your mind is pretty old by now. In other words, it's been around for a while. You've you've trained it to know it's in charge. You're not in charge of it. You 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 no discipline at all. And so, you know, fear thoughts come in and you immediately get taken under rather than saying, "Stop it. I'm not thinking that way right now." So, it, it there's time involved also and practice involved. And most of us, the, the thing about me, you have to understand is I started this work when I was around 17. So, and I'm now 75. So I've got a lot of practice. So I can pretty much, you know, kind of understand, oh, I got off center and my mind is now having conversations that aren't good for me. I don't think it's me. It's my mind's automatic conversation that got triggered. So, okay, I'm going to stop that. I have the discipline to do that, but it's taken years to get that discipline. So there's, it's a work, it's a life's work to grow and be an effective human being. Love that. And and so I I know as a, a fun segue for us, I know that you've taken your life's work and you've basically put it online where people can access it so that they can themselves uh, learn and grow. Tell us a little bit about that. I have a Marsha Martin Club. If you go to marshamartinclub.com, you can join for $10 a month. And essentially, it's all many of my, not all, but many of my workshops, seminars, podcasts, speaking engagements online. So it's kind of like a Marsha Martin Netflix You know, there's a workshop I did in Toronto in some year and a workshop I did in New York another year. And you can watch those workshops or listen to them in in the time that you have at the place that you want. So at your leisure, in your own time, at your convenience. And they're broken down in modules so that you can get a bite at a time and take a break. And in each workshop, some of the same principles are there. 
So I just tell people, go in, pick a workshop, start listening and keep listening and then listen to another one and keep listening and keep listening. Now, I didn't know if it was going to work, Dr. Richard. It was an idea that I had because I had this box of videos, right? So I thought, well, maybe I'll just put them online and see if people can get value. I know I'm valuable in person. I know that people transform in three days when they're with me. I wonder if this will be valuable if they just watch it. Now, I've been getting emails from all over the world. Oh, my God, you saved my marriage. Oh, my God, I doubled my sales. Oh, I never thought of it that way before. And now I used it and I implemented it and it worked. And I'm now best friends, you know, with a brother I was estranged from for years. So the results are there. But you have to actually watch or listen. Love it. Marsha, this time together has flown by and I've loved our chat as I knew that I would. As you know, I wrap up every episode by asking my guest a single question. And that is, what is your biggest helping? The one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? I would say center first before you take action. Center first, then act. Because the way that we're put together is, you know, we collect incidents and old experiences to kind of guide us if that ever happens again. So it's a default mechanism that when something in the world is happening that looks like it was the same thing that happened before that traumatized us, then the mind goes, oh, it's the same thing again. We better do what we did before. And it pulls up automatically this old way of behaving. So that's why you get to a place where you all of a sudden you're on automatic and you don't know why you're saying these things. And you know you shouldn't be saying these things, but your mouth keeps working and you're attacking or you're uh, pulling back or you're huddling. You're, you know, you're doing old behaviors because it looks like that you got angry because of something in front of you. When something in front of you happened, triggered an old memory of like that before and the way you handled it before was anger so what you do is you plug in your default anger little module and you respond or react with anger well there's a choice if you it happens very very it's right in there right before you react so when you're triggered, upset, off-center, not open, not present, not connected, unhappy, we call that off-center, get centered first before you act. Because then when you act, it's a response to something. It's not a reaction. And you choose your responses, whereas your reactions are automatic. So that's a mantra that I give to everybody. Center first, then act. Center first. Yeah, before you push the button, before you make the phone call, before you say anything, just take a breath and get yourself back in present time, open and connected. Well said. Like that. Yes, well said. I I love that. Uh, Marsha, give us the domain again uh, where people can connect with you and learn more about your club. Absolutely. Marsha Martin, and it's M-A-R-C-I-A-M-A-R-T-I-N, club.com. Perfect. And we'll have links to everything, Marsha Martin, at the show notes for the dailyhelping.com. So we got you covered there. Marsha, this has been awesome. You are awesome. Thank you so much for coming on The Daily Helping. I loved our conversation. Thank you. God bless. 
And to each and every one of you listening to this, thank you for taking time out of your day and spending time with me and Marsha. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.